Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown. One podcast at a time. Hello, dear friends. I'm your head mister, Lord Stephen Gearhart. And I am your co-mister, the man with no name, Lance Wayne. And together we are the misters of the... the, the, uh, Let's try it again. The misters of the... the, 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 Lance! The misters of the dark! Don't shut up! Whatever, join us wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Or go to mistersofthedark.com, where we'll be discussing all things horror, from films and books to everything in betweensies. We also have the occasional victim. <laughs> I mean, guest. <laughs> Only on the Fearscape Mania Network. <laughs> Shut up, Lance. I always get the last laugh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, to another fantastic episode of the Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan. I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, joined as always by my co-host Josh Rutledge. How's it going, Josh? Doing fantastic, man. I'm looking forward to this interview all week. Yes, I have as well. For those of you tuning in just now, we have uh, John Yost of Alien Abduction Answers, one of the best documentaries we've watched in quite some time, joining us on the show. How are you, Mr. Yost? I'm uh, very honored to be with you two gentlemen. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, you've probably heard this a lot, but your documentary just blew me away personally. It hit uh, me really, it hit yeah. Me. I mean, I halfway through <laughs> watching it, I was like, "You got to watch this stuff." And I sent it to a bunch of friends. Is like, "You all got to watch this." Is hitting on so many things that we've been. Uh, dealing with or working on, you know, personally and almost like a spiritual level uh, for the last several years for Stefan for most of his life. So, yeah, I mean, just um, it's a fantastic documentary. And I know that's not the genre that you really set out to do, but this was really you telling your story in this documentary. Yes. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for this kind words. I, uh, you know, I had a a difficult time. This, this this film was kind of an accident. It was really a catharsis for me, mm-hmm. trying to get over the, the stress and the trauma of what had happened to me as a child. And uh, making the film, I've said this before, making the film has given me a measure of peace. And, and what I was really trying to do is I was trying to give other people a bit of that peace too um, by watching it. So the fact that you've enjoyed it and it's touched you is really making me feel very happy. Thank you very much. No, I mean, I, me personally, I had an experience myself when I was a kid that uh, traumatized me pretty well. And, and seeing you and knowing that someone shared that 
experience you know in a in a different way but similar was that's why josh sent it to me right away he was like stephan you've got to see this somebody's been through what you went through just different and uh that's why i'm saying it it hit me deep but it was uh it was cathartic for me as well just watching so i i thank you for that it was excellent you know that's uh I, i don't know if the right way to say this is but that's part of the charm of the film is this is that you know most documentaries that you see about this subject about ufos or abductions or whatever they're usually like third person antiseptic mm-hmm. kind of views you know and you see the you know the old footage and you hear some old guy say you know back in 1947 the crashes <laughs> you know that sort of thing right but i mean in this film as you both both of you gentlemen know it's really kind of an immersive sort of thing yeah. you know as i'm going through this you're standing right beside me you're seeing this and it's not just me i mean the fact that you could relate with me in the film is wonderful but for other people who might not be able to relate with me or my experiences there are five other individuals yeah. there mm-hmm. you know and, and and for so long so many people people have you know had this i don't know this this yoke to bear that you know they were wearing tinfoil hats or whatever yeah. but you watch these people and their mothers fathers and business owners and masters degrees and they have their own companies these are normal people and they've had something absolutely extraordinary happen to them and they've all in their own ways to struggle to deal with that and live a modern life you know with that and so um i'm i'm just like i said i'm overwhelmed i'm so thankful that this has helped a little bit thank you yeah and that's exactly what a documentary like this does for for folks like us that that live these normal lives but had these abnormal things happen to us and then we feel abnormal right but so, a documentary like this shows us that it happens to regular folks too you know that you are still a regular folk there's nothing abnormal about you Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times it could just be completely random. Yes. Yes. It could be. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. No, I was just going to say that just to echo what, you know, you had said around other documentaries, right? Being very um, cold in nature, um, the, the, the emotion. And I really felt your own energy imprint on this film. Um, I can I could tell that you left something behind if you will, on the cutting room floor. And it kind of unburdened you a little bit with the with the making of this film. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, c- keeping that inside for so many years. Um, I mean, you know, people, people often think about emotions kind of as a tertiary uh, subject to people. But I mean, think about it. The, the thing that makes us human are our emotions, you know, and our, our consciousness. And so when you, when you meddle with that, you know, when you've had trauma, it affects you. It, it touches everything in your life. And in my particular case, you know, having it happen and then compounding that issue with lying about it for over 45 years, I mean, I, I'm not proud of this. It, it poisoned me. It poisoned my relationships. It poisoned everything I touched. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's almost like an emotional cyst, right? Oh, it it gets yeah. in there and everything just kind of grows around it, but it bugs you all the time. And in, until you get rid of it, it it's, it's never going to really allow you to be yourself and heal. Well said. Well said. And so your journey involved kind of researching and looking into other cases and things like that. Is that what opened you up to kind of finally telling the truth about it? Or was there some other um, instance that just made you go, you know what, it's time? You know, that's a that's a great question. And that's not in the film. Um, so I'll, sh- I'll share this story with you. Um, I, I've been in the television and film business for over 25 years. And uh, I've done all kinds of stuff, you know, commercial work and long format and radio shows and TV shows and, you know, stuff for Food Channel and travel and whatever. And so uh, my production company, which is right now pictures.com, we, uh, we were on a shoot, a regular shoot. And we were in a place called Borrego Springs, California. And um, it was uh, late night. We were doing a night shoot and we had come back to the house that we had rented. And there were about 15, 17 people with us. And so we were downloading all the footage because when you're out on the road, you don't want to lose anything. So, you you know, you download it to hard drive so you don't lose any of it. And um, 
So I went out to the back where most of us were gathering afterwards to have a nightcap. And uh, so somebody said, let's make a toast. And I had a glass in my hand. And when I say a glass, I mean like a regular glass, not a plastic cup. Right. And um, so I was sitting in a chair by this pool and I uh, raised my glass to toast. Somebody was giving a toast. And I saw this glint in the glass. And, you know, your mind, you're trying to make sense of things. You know, you see that, and you know, oh, that reminds me of this. In my mind, I said, well, that's the moon. But then I said, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. We're shooting tonight so we can control the light. It was a new moon. There was no moon in the sky. And I went, wait, that doesn't make any sense. And as I dropped my hand behind my hand, about 30 feet away from me and 30 feet in the air, above this house that we had rented, um, there was this thing. And um, it it was a regular shape. I, I want to say it looked like an egg, but not really. And it had this kind of blue-green luminescence coming from it. And uh, it was strange because my mind is, is, I said, what the hell? You know, and I'm thinking, you know what it looked like to me immediately? My mind says, oh, well, that's a Mylar balloon. <laughs> like if you ever, you know, like you, yeah. you, you yeah. go to the hospital and you get a get well balloon, you know, yep. for somebody who's sick. And I said, that's, but the problem was, is that it was, it was way too big. Yeah. It was, it was as big as a car. And I, it was close enough that I could have thrown um, a baseball and hit it. And so I, one of my camera guys, his name was Scott, he was sitting right beside me. I grab him, I turn him, he looks, he says, oh my. And then, you know, like I said, we were with 15 or 17 people. They all turned around and people were saying, oh my God, look at this. What is this? Oh, and just then, what had happened was this thing moved lightning fast in a zigzag formation and stopped right above my head. And I don't know how long it was there, but it was there for enough for me to feel it, the presence of it. And then it zigzagged away from me about 20 feet, stopped, and then it just slowly drifted off into the desert. And like I said, this break of springs is very flat. So we watched it, I mean, collectively, 15, 17 people of us watched it for maybe almost two minutes as it drifted away. Now, what happened in that second, though, you know, people are talking about it. My God, that was amazing. Can you believe what the hell do you think that was? Yeah. And meanwhile, what was happening to me is I've described this before. Have you ever been to an ocean and the tide comes in? And it starts to pull the sand out from underneath your feet. And you feel yourself start to sink back and lose control. That's exactly the feeling that I had. And it reminded me immediately of the feeling that I had when I was a little boy. That's what I was going to ask. So I, now the problem for me, the problem for me is that I'm in charge of this huge crew. So I, you know, right. So this yeah. is a, this is a really big problem for me. So I stand up. I'm a little jittery inside. I take a sip of my drink and I make some stupid comment about, well, you know, you kids can hang out and drink, but uh, you know, old man got to, you know, fill out my forms because I'm the producer, right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and we're always conscious of the, you know, the money that's being spent. I went back to the room, and uh, I barricaded that door. I pushed all my luggage there, pushed the beds up, and I, I, I wept like a little baby. The thing that had happened was, you know, I had remembered what had happened to me as a seven-year-old boy, but it was like that blister that Josh says, you know, it's back there. I'm an old guy now. You know, I'm 55 years old. So, I mean, I've had a lot of life to put in between me and that. And um, But everything came crushing back on me, and I felt, and this is key, what I felt was the pain and the fear of a seven-year-old boy. Not as a man remembering, mm-hmm. I was literally put back into that mind, that body of a seven-year-old boy, and I was petrified. So what happened was, the next day I tried to get my stuff together, and I was having a hard time. I mean, I, I, I was I was jittery, and, and you know, I, I, please forgive me, gentlemen, I don't know your experience, but you know, when you're a line producer in the big shoot, you know, there are a lot of boxes to fill. You know, you got a lot of check marks. You got, and I'm a type A, and I'm very anal retentive. My guys, my team, who I've worked with for years, they saw there's something wrong with me, and that 
infuriated me and I became enraged with myself. And then I noticed this, we were on the road for quite a few days here and I noticed that I couldn't be underneath open sky and I couldn't be near water. I, and I, you know, I, you have to go scout locations, you have to go find lakes, you have to, I, I had a whole really, really hard time. And I'm so angry at myself. Well, we were on this, we were on the shoot for about, I think it was like 11, 12 days. And we had to come back. And so I was heavily lubricated on Irish whiskey and, <laughs> uh, and, and made my way back home. But my problem was when I got off the plane, my family noticed those and I could not get it under wraps. I'm not proud of this, but I mean, I would go to the office and I would wait in my car until somebody else came. So I would walk into the office with them or I would wait till everybody left and then run like a bat out of hell to get to my car. So I didn't have to be underneath this, this guy. And, and, and so it affected me. I mean, it affected every part of me, myself personally, my family life, my business, and I could not handle that. And so what I did was, I, I guess other people would have gone to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but what I did was I knew exactly where the origin of this problem was. Yeah. You know, I knew, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a clouded memory. I knew exactly what it was, but I just couldn't deal with it. And so I decided at that point to answer Josh directly is I started to do some research because I said, listen, I'm sure that other people have had this happened to them and how did they deal with it and how did they get on with their lives and so that's what started my, my interviews and then i started to put people on camera offering to give them you know the copy of that if it helped them mm -hmm. and then at some point along the way i realized that as good as my memory was there was a piece of that memory that i couldn't pull out and this you gentlemen have seen the film you'll know there's that section where my place and this entity's place are switched and my back is not where it's supposed to be and his back is not where it's supposed to be and i couldn't remember what happened there and so at that point when we went into that that's when i knew that i had enough material for a movie but up until that point it was really just to heal me yeah i did it as a side project for some sort of catharsis i did it on my own time and then it developed into this into this film yeah i, I wow thank you because that hits me again deeply um you know josh and i one of the reasons we have this show is is to help explain some of the things but also show people that they're not alone and yes, uh, i i think you're braver than you realize because had that happened to me where that would have went over my head i would have crumpled uh, i'm i wear my emotions on my sleeve so everyone would have seen me just crash um, because yeah, mine came out all the memories that I had missed that I couldn't find came out my, our best friend, Santosh, he's a hypnotherapist. And so he was mm. able to do that with me. And yeah, man, that the mine was four years old and that those, the emotions of a child are so strong. They're mm -hmm. so strong. And like, I, I carry them even deeper than I did just from the initial memory uh, to then re-experiencing them through the hypnosis was was frightening and, you know, and, and good. You know, it's like that when when trauma like that happens, any, any trauma, right? It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, alien involved or UFO, whatever. But any trauma like that, it's like your body takes everything that you were experiencing and feeling at the moment and locks it away in a, an emotional time capsule Box, inside yeah. your body. And so when you're uh, brave enough to go and, and open that box, you know, all that stuff comes rushing back in. You know, Stefan, you had uh, Santosh there to kind of help you and myself to help you process through it. And John, you had uh, some folks uh, uh, in the form of uh, uh, Debs Shakti, I think is her name. Deb, Deb Shakti. And, and probably some others that you worked with to help you process as well. And so the, the big thing is, is that I think for a takeaway for myself and for any others is that if you feel like you have this, number one, you're not alone. Right. And, and number two, don't go into it alone. Uh, it, it's, mm. you know, we are not lone people, you know, mm. human race people, we're, we're collective people. So uh, pick a friend, uh, a family member, anybody that you trust and take them with you, even if they just sit there quietly and don't say anything 
just having that presence there, a, a warm presence next to you can really make a, a big impact. I think those are wise words. And then I wanted to, um, to just, uh, when you talked about the craft you saw in California that kind of uh, started you, uh, if you will, on this um, reopening, if you will, of, of that <laughs> wound, um, you, you mentioned that it was kind of bluish green and it's in its mm-hmm. color. Mm-hmm. Two nights ago, I was out looking at the stars with my eight-year-old daughter um, and we had seen several satellites pass over. And then she said, uh, Papa, what's that? And uh, it looked like a satellite, except that it was changing color from blue to green moving across the sky. Mm. Um, so when you said those words, it just really, you know, it was like a little synchronicity there that, you know, I had just experienced this myself. Um, mm-hmm. Almost like a validation maybe that uh, my, myself, my own personal journey, I'm on the, I'm on the right path. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, um, yes, I mean, you're, to, to number one to be able to to put your experience out there in the form of a documentary is one thing but to come on our show and talk about how you got to that decision again i i, I applaud your your bravery um uh, and, and just you know, like like you say as a as an example to others that they do not need to go at it alone yes uh they don't and um as, as i said you gave some very wise Uh, words there to people because you aren't alone. In fact, one of the things that I discovered is that there are literally millions, not thousands, not hundreds of thousands, but millions of people around the globe that have had similar situations. And so you are literally not alone. There is something very, very important happening here in our home on our planet with us as a species and it's important for us not to ignore it you know i i've known some friends who had uh, something wrong with them and they ignored it and they ignored it and it really took a toll on their health this is the thing this is so important that if we ignore it and ignore it it's to our detriment for two reasons If we are the intelligent species that we claim we are, it is our responsibility, nay, I say our duty, to engage this, to figure it out, and to deal with it as adults. Yeah, I I agree. We we talk about it a lot, Stefan and I do, about how um, each uh, person's experience is uh, almost like a knock on the door, if you will, of of their their heart, their soul, whatever you want to call it, their spirit, Mm -hmm. to say, hey, you need to wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so many of those is, is for myself on kind of a spiritual journey to helps, right? Aged as adults and how adults don't have the magic. And, and I think there's some truth to mm-hmm. that, that, you know, kids see a, a light in the sky and are amazed by it. Adults, most adults see it and dismiss it away as a satellite or a balloon or a, an airplane or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. We, um, yeah, we have to, we have to take this opportunity to accept things as they are, and not the way we'd like to explain things away. The, um, the importance of what's going on is, is this, is that <clears throat> we as a species have forgotten that we're a piece of creation. We are not the creation. And all of these things are a knock on the door, as you said, Josh, to let us know that number one, and in the you know just the regular parlance of the of the world, we are not the top of the food chain. There's something more, but 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 even more so, we are more than what we see. We are more. I, I've used this example before, Josh. I'm looking at you, and I can see that you wear eyeglasses, right? So if you took those eyeglasses off and you set them on your desk, would those eyeglasses jump up and down? No, they would require you to put them on. Okay, so you would say it's fair to say this, that you were a man wearing eyeglasses, right? You're not eyeglasses wearing a man. Okay, so here's the thing. We think that we are all that we are right here, flesh and blood, 
my consciousness is here in my head and that's it this is who we are and if you take a look at the materialism in the world this is where we are and we live our lives as though this is all there is so i ask you our example wear the glasses so you're a man wearing glasses so are you a body wearing a consciousness or a soul or are you a soul wearing a body okay if the body dies lies there inert and what happens to your consciousness so many people think that consciousness resides in their skull but i can prove right this second that that's not true let me give you two examples okay number one and anybody listening to this this is a challenge to you have you ever in your lifetime been in a crowd or been in traffic and be looking across a couple of lanes of traffic and seen somebody and all of a sudden they turn around and look at you because they could feel you looking at them or has it happened to you where you felt somebody and turned around and saw them all right let's take another one have you ever been thinking about somebody and they call you or vice versa and that cannot happen and people who say well that's just a coincidence it would be if it would be the three of us but how about every single person on the planet has an example of that particular thing that is not a coincidence that is a condition so we in fact are bodies with minds that are kind of like radios and we are able to tune in to different channels right radio right now and we're going over some radio waves you know they're invisible so you can't see them you can't taste them you can't feel them but they exist so that whole crowd who says i can't see it so i don't believe it that's out right okay so second of all if you put a radio down you say well listen i can't hear anything we have to turn it on then you turn it on well all i hear is white noise Hmm. you have to tune it to the frequency and so that is exactly who we are we are entities in this world wearing this spacesuit, if you will, so we can live out our lives in this three-dimensional construct. But we have the ability to tune our mind and pick up other frequencies to realize that we are more than what we are. And you might say to yourself, well, who the heck cares? What does that have to do with anything? In fact, I paused that in the film towards the end. I said, what do the shiny lights in the sky mean? And why do they make me want to be a better person? Well, here's the thing. If I'm just a piece of creation, if I'm just a piece of the universe, then my responsibilities, my activities, my interests can lie so much farther away than just this place. That I'm participating in a much bigger game, a much bigger world, a much bigger universe than I ever did. And if that is so, if that is so, then every single person that I know and I don't know is participating in that same experience. Now, let's extrapolate one level further. If that's the case, then any kind of spirit, soul, demon, angel, entity, ET is also an expression of that and participating in that same game. Watch this. If you're a religious person, you think of God the Creator, and that's the source of all life. If you're an agnostic person, you think of, well, this could be intelligent design, so it all comes from some mind of some master designer. And if you're a secular person, you think everything has come from this big bang. Well, in those all those cases, it doesn't matter where you stand. In all those cases, we all share the same origin. So we are all that stardust or all that code or all that peace of God. We are all in it together. And so therefore, what we do affects more than just us. And this is what this message from these ETs is. Not in words, but in the fact that they exist and they interact Mm -hmm. with us. They're saying, hello, as you said, Josh, a knock on the door. Hello, you're more than what you are, and it's time to act like that. Yep, it's interesting because the you talking about that brings up Shakespeare, the the, mm. the quote: "All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits sure. and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts." Yes, and sir. it just that says 
I don't know, that quote to me now has far more meaning to it. You know, it always well, makes well, you wonder, what did Shakespeare know, right? Yeah, well, he's a lot more clever than I am. Uh, he, could, well, he, he could say it in two sentences, and it took me a half an hour. Yeah, well, but the rest of his know. play is 12 hours. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was just going to say also that, um, you know, something we, we've talked about it and, and, and postulated on is that, um, like I said, you know, the, the experience that each individual, each individual has is, is a very personal experience. And, uh, I, you know, it's almost like, and I think what you're, what, you know, to, to maybe sum up a little bit what you just said is it's an initiation um, mm. to the, the ritual of understanding that you are bigger than you think you are. Yeah. Um, and that it's not about uh, necessarily about proving that those things exist because it's more of a grassroots uh project right it's it's change change the world by changing one person at a time Mm -hmm. by waking one person at a time um not that i agree with everything that he says but one of the things that one of the kind of uh, challenges that dr stephen greer has been on uh, over the course of the last several years is he wants to get to 1% of the world meditating because mm-hmm. his thought is, is that if the 1% of the world is meditating, that that vibration of doing so will mm-hmm. kind of radiate across the globe mm-hmm. and will and will lift everybody up in its pro, in its process. And so, you know, that, that kind of idea of the more and more people that wake up to the idea that they are bigger than just their physical flesh mm-hmm. Right, um, that it does elevate the world in its entirety. Well, here's a silly question. Here's a silly question. I said I was at a uh, convenience store earlier today, and I said to the lady behind the counter, "I said thank you," and she looked at me like I had three heads. And I said, <laughs> "I said," and she said, "Nobody says that." I said, "Could you imagine a world where people said please, thank you, and excuse me?" Yeah. If people, if everybody, if ten percent of the world said that. Think about what the change it would be. You know, the the this wake up call is for us to understand that we are not the centers of the universe, that we in fact because think about it this way. If you honestly think that your life, and I'm talking about your consciousness, your soul, whatever, is only fifty years or sixty years then you have all kinds of justification to screw your neighbor and to hurt somebody and lie. But if you understand that you go on, that you in fact are part of a bigger thing, that you in fact have bigger responsibilities and more opportunities, and I'm not even talking about heaven and hell, that type of thing. I'm just saying this, look, if you you eat right and take your vitamins, you're more healthy, right? Uh, Okay, if you don't do that, you're less healthy. So if you're more healthy, you have more opportunities. If you're less healthy, you have less opportunities. That's all I mean. And so if we understood that, we would just act differently. We would, because it would be a natural thing be a natural thing to act different. And that's what's going on here. Here's a here's a really interesting example that's been in the news lately. Okay. Now you have, and I, I smile a lot because I know that there's an, another documentary out uh, lately uh, and about, you know, capturing photographic evidence. Mm-hmm. Right? This is a big thing. People want to know, oh, what's in the sky? What's in the sky? And I always smile because I say, well, listen, you know, if I had a... Uh, if I had a, a car that went um, 600 miles an hour, but I was a nice guy and I liked my neighbor and I took care of my grass and was nice to little kids, no one would care how fast my car went. Yeah. Okay. And they wouldn't care about my technology. They would care about who. So our film is all about who and why. And so here's this example. You know, you hear about all of these records coming out and the Department of Defense and then there's arguments back and forth about all of these UFOs that have been seen over nuclear power plants, right? And nuclear silos. And so, but watch what happens. This is really important. You know, we've lost our ability to have critical thinking. So follow me if you would. These lights, they appear out of nowhere. They approach a nuclear base with armed soldiers. They kind of freeze them in place. They deactivate the nuclear silos. 
they retreat and all of the missiles come back online, right? So if you're in a world where you have to control everything and this is your 50 years of control, you're saying that's an act of war and we have to fight these cats. If you expand it and say, listen, these are evolved entities, at least technologically, and they realize that we're playing with matches, they have the ability to destroy them. They have the ability to deactivate them completely. They have the ability to destroy all those men on those missile bases. But they did not. They did what a parent would do. They came down. They showed us what to do. They turned them off. They said, look, this is what you need to do. But because you have free will, we're going to step back and they'll reactivate. But do as I do. This is what's happening. But because our ego and our natural will to fight, we see it as an act of war. But what it is, is an act of caution and a teaching moment. But nobody seems to understand that. Yeah. Yep. Hey, you, know, you, you talk about, I was watching a, a show with my kids the other day. And, I, and there's a series of books, and I can't remember the name of the show, but there was a line in it that just really, when I heard it, it hit, it hit hard. And it was, proof is useless unless it's proof of something people already want to believe. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, that reminds me of you've heard all these things uh, during the, the big pandemic. You know, I follow the science. I follow the science. I, I get a kick out of that, and I get a kick out of... Um, I'm 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 fighting for my truth. And I'm an right. old guy, right? So <laughs> yeah. so back in my day, back in my day, when you fought for your truth, it was for an opinion that no one else shared. Right. Uh, right? So so how can how, how can your truth be so much different than mine? And the the truth is 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 really a black and white type of thing. We have a lot of opinions because we have different motivations. And that's where it is. But see, the problem for us is that we, because we are so egocentric, because Copernicus was wrong, <laughs> we are the center of the universe, that my opinion reigns supreme. It doesn't matter. And this is why we're so apt to fight, so apt to engage, where we have this. My mother used to say, she, Irish lady, she used to say, you know, son, you've got two ears and one mouth. Why don't you shut that one and, you know, listen with the other two? Uh, you know, you can do double the learning. And, yeah, uh, double the learning. <laughs> double the learning. Oh, so, like uh, yeah. yeah. But my, anyway. So my grandfather used to say opinions are like uh, buttholes. Oh. Everybody has one and they all stink. So Very nice. <laughs> Thanks, granddad. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, um, so, and I don't know if you want to, or maybe you just did in your uh, little um, uh, presentation, if you will, that you just did, but towards the end of the film, um, you talk about, you understand your purpose mm. and you, and you're trying to work on how that purpose can be incorporated into your, into your life. Do, do you care to share at all about that? Um sure sure um but uh to to clarify you know one of the segments in the film is about mission and people have purposes and i've always claimed that i i don't know specifically what my mission is i don't never i always thought it was just i was reacting i was involved but here's the thing we all have a mission and that mission is to be the best human that we can be. I mean, that's the truth. You know, if we have children to be the best father, best mother, you know, I mean, you know, be the best neighbor, be the best citizen, you know, um, the, at the film, it, it's kind of bifurcated. There's part of me that is still searching because, you know, <clears throat> I, I feel, and I'm ashamed of this, to be honest with you guys, I feel like I lost 45 years of my life because had I been able to deal with this as a child or had more support at that time, I might, I might be in a different place. I might, whatever. And then other people say, no, John, this is where you're supposed to be because who would, 
who would encapsulate all this stuff in a film if it wasn't for you? Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I don't, I, but I don't think of the world like that. Yeah. Um, um, I, I know two things. I know two things, but I'm still on this search. Uh, at the very end, you see me kind of going on, and there's a kind of a flash, kind of a teaser about the next film, because it really is. And the film that I'm working on now is called Alien Abduction Awareness. You know, the idea is that you know, just like um, stuff said about um, the truth or or, um, or proof. You know, you can you can have all the information in the world, but it doesn't make you wise, right? So you know. This first film was about breaking. I, I see it like this: you know, the world is filled with ignorance. I don't mean ignorant people. I mean people that just don't know. They don't have the facts, right? And when you don't know the facts, you tend to be afraid. You don't know what's in the dark, right? You don't understand. You don't know what to expect. This sort of thing. And hopefully, through this first film, it brings people from that ignorance and fear to some sort of understanding. Somebody gave me some trouble the other day and said, oh, Mr. Answer Man, you have me. I said, listen, <laughs> I said, listen, listen, the film is not alien abduction answer, the answer, it's answers. The idea was that it would be lit, it would leave landmarks for other people to say, look, I oh, I don't have to be afraid. I can understand this. I can see this through other people's eyes. The second film is supposed to take people from this you know, some sort of understanding, to some sort of integration, where you know when you have information, it's no good unless you use it. If you and I were driving down a street and it was raining like hell and and it was washed out, well, we didn't know it was in the dark. We could get we could get uh, washed away in those floodwaters. But if we had that information, we could make decisions. We could say we're taking another way. We could say we have a big truck and we can go four wheeling, or we could say, "Hey, wait, listen, we have a canoe and we're going to plow right through." But you'd have decisions, but you don't. If you don't have the information, you can't make decisions. And so the second one is about that. My particular, well, my particular point of view now, and what was revealed to me in that. Abduction and several that had happened prior is that something is about to happen in our lifetime that will be irrefutable. You know, you have three types of people in the world. You've got, uh, I always call them the stockbrokers guys, They're the ones with their noses and their calculator, and they're like this, right? And then you have people who say, well, you know, I'm an intelligent ape. Uh, I can consider life elsewhere, you know, mathematically, but what does it have really to do with my life, right? And then you have the third type of people like us. You know, we'll have open discussions about it and consider things and solutions and aspects of it. Well, with all of this talk now in the news and these, um, you know, hearings, what's happened is for the first time in the history of our species, these three types of people have become equal. And this is what I mean. The guy who's pounding away at that computer or that calculator, he says, for the first time, he says, what God's, these guys are studying what? And he does this and he looks up for the first time in his life and he's never looked up. The other person who, you know, considers it, plays footsies with it, and, you know, it's a thought experiment. But what does it have to do with my life? They say, wait, 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 they say, you mean our governments are spending money on it? They're spending my tax money? What are they looking at? And they look up. For the first time in our history, as a people, as a species, we are given permission to look up and given permission to say what we see. And this is the paradigm shift. People keep looking at this disclosure from government. No, 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 no. It is a subtle act. It is, you may look up and you will see something. Now, even with the expectation, because we have captured it on radar and camera and gun camera, there's something there. And the more people that look up, invariably, they will see things. So this is a huge paradigm shift that's going to change everything. 
Because this moment that you're allowed to see something, you're permitted to, you probably will. And when you probably will, then a flood of questions will happen and a flood of examination will happen. And then that will lead to this discussion and onto this discussion. And then when we realize that we are a piece of creation, a piece of this beautiful universe, well, there are all kinds of other things to consider. Well, where do we fit? And when we find out that we're really not the biggest kid on the block, mm, we're going to have to act a little differently. Yeah. And when then we then when we realize that, and then we start to realize that we're more than just this flesh and blood. That in fact there is an energy component to us. That seems so foreign to everybody. But I always ask them. I say, when people say, "Oh, energy," that's woo woo and all this stuff. And I say, "Well, I say, well, let me ask you a question. Do you have two little um, little creatures in your head that turn rusty gears every time you make a thought? No, there's no metal in your head. Thought." or electrical impulses that move from synapse to synapse. They're energy. You are an electrical, biomechanical machine. So of course you give off energy. Well, we can tune a TV, we can tune a guitar, we can tune a person. We can tune a mind, we can tune a universe, we can tune a planet. What we have done is we have neglected all of those things because we have been so materialistic and so egocentric. The moment that we realize that all the answers, John Yost had, <laughs> or you know what I mean. That, it, but that is, but that's the total. Yeah. That's the total yeah. lie. That's the total lie. Right. I don't have the answers. You know, you mentioned Dr. Greer. God bless him. He's done great work. He doesn't have all the answers. Josh, you, you, you guys. But here's the thing: as a people, we can look out and go, "Okay, look, we're a collective." what is really going on and then we'll be able to see more clearly yeah well and, and you know you talk about um it, it really is that the paradigm shift of shift of realizing that we're not the center right uh, years ago we thought we were the center of our of our solar system we then we figured out that's not the case then we thought we were the center of our galaxy then we figured out that's not the case now we have to think beyond the physical and realize that we're not yeah. the center of our spirituality and josh Josh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but here's the thing. We found those things out, and this is where that wisdom comes in. We found out those facts, and nobody contradicts these guys. Galileo, Copernicus, and NASA. Everybody understands that. But we still act like we are. Mm-hmm. See, this is the last salvage, right? This is the last salvage. Okay, well, maybe we're not the center of the universe, but we're the only intelligent and well, what happens when that last vestige mm-hmm. leaves us? Remember, we're like we're like powerless, desperate despots holding on to this. You know, people want to know about the government and about organized religions and things. Listen, guys, listen. There are only two things that these cats do. Only two things. They tax <laughs> and they control. They yeah. tax and they control. So, you know, if you put your arm into a tiger's cage and you bit off your hand, would you say the tiger's evil? No, you'd say the tiger did what the tiger does. Okay, so stop blaming everybody. Stop blaming the government. Stop blaming churches. Stop Stop it. Stop it. They do what they do. That's exactly what they do. And if you stick your hand in, you're going to get bit. Stop. Be silent. Start to consider your place in this whole world and this whole universe. Understand that all these facts, we need more facts. You know, I hear people all the time, and I really enjoy debating uh, individuals, and they invariably they'll come up with the Occam's razor, you know, and this is why this doesn't yeah. work and this doesn't work. And I say the Occam's razor is a faulty thought experiment because it only works if you have all the facts, but we don't have all the facts we are handicapped but this is the way we're handicapped for the people who are watching we're doing this on purpose (laughs) we don't want to know what's in the dark Mm -hmm. because it controls our perspective we are that government we're governing ourselves we are that religion we are religion if we can hold tight to it then we can control our perspective 
it's yeah. it's it, it's a it's a vicious kind of catch twenty two. Yeah, I think that's one of the big reasons why most of the world's religions are trying to teach humility, right? Yeah. I, I mean, there's a reason for that, and it's just like you said, if we had more humility, I think we would be more prepared for when that day comes. Sure, sure. And it's so silly too, because once again, you know, there's there's not a religion on, on the face of the planet that doesn't recognize some sort of God, Godhead, Savior, angels, and demons. Well, do you think those are Earthlings? <laughs> no, they're yeah. extraterrestrials. So, I mean, see, once again, here we go. We have the facts, but the wisdom doesn't yeah. fit our paradigm, so we can't reconcile it. So it's right in front of our face. Yeah. yeah. So I got a question for you is, is we've talked a lot about um, this and that, but I wanted to go back to experiencers and, and people that yes, have sir. experiences, whether it be a person that had an experience when they were a kid or someone who had it last week, what sort of advice would you give to them um, with your own um, uh, learning experience that you had? Sure. What would you give to the advice to give to someone that is holding that back? Well, Number one, you got to talk to somebody. But number two, don't try to define it. See, this is our problem. We tried to define it. You you probably have a lot of guests who say, listen, let me tell you something. I know all about these Arcturians. <laughs> I know all about these reptoids. Right. <laughs> let me tell you, they're all grays. No, no. Let me say that they are demons, absolutely every one of them. Okay. You have these folks. Here's God bless them. God bless them all. <laughs> look, look, look. We don't know. We don't know what's at the bottom of most of our sea. How do you know? How do you know from your particular experience what the entire universe operates like? You don't. And God bless you for trying. But it's not. It's not possible. Okay. Neither do I. By the way, I think you have to look at sources. And I really, truly believe that there are four major sources. And this is what I would say to these people who experience this. Understand what's going on. Try to understand the facts. Because these sources are like this. Number one, there are things out there that we, as just common folks, don't know about that our governments with S's, many governments, have developed tech, energy, weapon, all kinds of stuff. And if you don't believe it, Look at Area 51, because it didn't exist. It didn't exist until all of a sudden there was a camera crew and they went, oh, well, it, it exists. Okay, they, <laughs> lied. okay. they lied about it. Okay, of course they're going to lie about it, right? It's control, remember, tax and control. So they have control of the narrative. Okay, so some of the things that are happening are government psyops, are government tech, are government energy, okay? The second one is this, is Gaia, Earth itself, just as you are all energy it is all energy and there's a certain sort of intelligence that's inherent to that earth to this much collection of atoms and here's an example you know ball lightning um earthquake lights okay or if you took two magnets and two norths they don't fit together why because there's a law an intelligence that says no a north and a south go together so there's something here, and what we used to call it when we were very much in the nature, talking about people, is we used to call them the fairies and the good folk yep. and the sprites. And it's, okay, so you have that element also that people experience. Thirdly, you have nuts and bolts. I, you know, I'm from Alpha Centauri or whatever, okay? And for people to have a problem with this, it doesn't make any sense. Look, Elon Musk... And we are sending probes everywhere throughout the solar system. Really? Yes, we're sending probes, believe it or not. And you know what they do when they get there? Hmm. They take pictures and they take samples, believe it or not. They do that, yeah. And guess what? If we had people in those things and they found some sort of life, you don't think they'd bring a sample back? You don't think they'd test it? You don't mm -hmm. think they'd fly down in a helicopter, shoot it with a dart, and put a tag on it, yep. and track <laughs> it, and study You don't think that would happen? Of course it would. See, once again, our ego won't allow us to believe that we could be the elk, right? Right. Okay, right. so then you, then you have the third thing. Then the fourth thing, the fourth source, is since the beginning of time, we as, as a species have encountered these things, and, and I've heard the word bandied about, it's not my word, 
ultra terrestrial, something outside our space and time, either through their physics or through their consciousness, are able to push into our dimension, interact with us and pull back. And these are the angels and the demons and the jinn that we have experienced throughout our lives. So for someone who experiences something like this, it could be terrifying. Well, let me ask you something. Do you think that elk was terrified? If that elk could tell the rest of the herd what happened, do you think they would lose their damn mind and tell their people, if you hear this, but run like hell? Of course yeah. they would. <laughs> of course they would. Okay, but in truth, in truth, do those scientists want to hurt that elk? Absolutely not. Okay. We have to grow up. We have to understand that we're a piece of this story. We're not the story. And for people who are just experiencing this in life, and I look at you, my dear friend, I know it scarred me. It hurt me. It scared yeah. the hell out of me. So it's easy to say, you know, I sound very, you know, very smart saying it now. I'm an idiot. I'm telling you, though, I'm telling you the path to, to mastering it, calm down and take stock of all the information first. Because it could be one of those sources or a combination of those sources because, or something else, because it's something other than us, something other. And at the end of that road is consciousness, is that intelligent energy that kind of binds all of us together, a universal mind. And we just have to figure out how we participate in so, yes, if you have to be afraid, I, I hate when people say, don't be afraid. Listen, I lived with fear for so long. Yeah. Fear is part of it. And if we ignore it, then we ignore it to our detriment. It's important to go through the fear. You have to, because it's there and it's real. But then after the fear or through the fear or processing the fear, you have to understand there's more information there. You know? And so if you can try to be as intellectual as you can about it, and then what you have to do, you must do, is you have to have a kind of support group. You ought to talk to other mm -hmm. people who are living it because that you'll start to get wisdom. That yeah. way. You know, you'll start to get perspective. You know, the first time anybody's ever sued, they lose their mind. Am I going to jail? What's going on? You know, <laughs> take, my, take my kids. No, no, you didn't, you know, you didn't pay that bill. <laughs> you know, pay the bill and, and everything's fine. But they lose their mind because they have no perspective. Yeah. It's that it's that ignorance and fear thing I think you're talking about. So so what this whole thing for me is I started off with this terrifying thing in my life. And what it did, as I say in the in the promo, is you know, being that close to something so different, so alien will change you and it's changed me yeah well it's so it's sounds like it's changed you though for the better i hope i hope <laughs> i appreciate it well john we need to start wrapping up um i hate to end this conversation but you know tis tis what it is but man i could we could sit here and just <laughs> keep keep, on keep talking, talking all man. night yeah. but i wanted to make sure to give you an opportunity to let people know where they can find out more information on john yost as well as your documentary and any other projects you've got going on well, well thank you very much i really appreciate it um well first of all the project is called alien abduction answers it is uh, a documentary unlike anyone that most people have ever seen. Agreed. And it is <laughs> it is released in North America right now, so Canada and the US. It's on Amazon Prime, iTunes, Kino Now, Google, Google Play, YouTube, or video on demand. You know, all they have to do is say it into their cable, you know, Xfinity or Suddenlink or whatever. And um, and it is going to be released internationally probably late this autumn for the rest of the world. Uh if people want to know about it, they can find it as a page on Facebook. Um, <clears throat> there's a page on Twitter. If they want to talk to me or find out about it, I always put up little snippets. My name is John Yost, Y-O-S-T. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Also, um, the company I work for is called Rhino Pictures 
rynopictures.com. That's R-Y-N-O, pictures, one word. And you can find out about our other projects. Uh, right now, I'm working on a sequel to this film called Alien Abduction Awareness. And then hopefully the third one will be called Alien Abduction Ascension. Well, we are yeah. highly anticipating those, John. Thank you Thanks, so guys. much, man. Not not only for taking your time uh, for our audience, but for just Josh and myself personally. Um, yeah. It's a big honor to have you on. And uh, once so that second one comes out, let us know. We'd love to have you come back on and, and chew It'd the fat with you some more. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in as you normally do. Uh, this has been the Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan. This has been Stefan. And I just want to remind you guys, keep your eyes to the skies. This has been Josh. The truth is now. And remember, folks, never stop questioning. Never, qu- never stop seeking. Good night, folks. Good night.